0: All right, Boca podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today on the episode. And I have a new friend of mine, Monique Melton. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast today, Monique.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, and it's truly my privilege. Uh, we were chatting just a little bit before I hit the record button. We had the opportunity to meet back at the United Conference. Uh, was that November?
1: Yeah. Isn't it crazy? That just went by so
0: They're fast. Really fast. And I'm particularly interested in what you do. And we're going to actually, this is kind of the theme of our conversation that we're going to get into a little bit later uh, in our conversation. Your, your specialty is relationships. And yes. um, I found it interesting that that you were at that conference not being a photographer. And actually, you're the first non-photographer that we're having here on the Book of podcast. So I'm pretty <laughs> excited about that as well, too.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. I, so I do a lot of business brand development, but it's all very central to relationships. And be, I believe that's the re, the reason for that is because I believe that life is about relationships, yes. whether it be your relationship with your faith. So for me, that's my relationship with God. Some people, you know, believe different things, sure. but, um, or it's your relationship with yourself, which is one of your most important relationships, and then your relationship with others. So that's your clients, that's your team, that's your peers, that's your family, your friends. So if you think about it, there's really nothing outside of that that matters more than relationships. So everything I do in my business in terms of supporting other business owners and creating profitable and purposeful businesses is to help them do it from a very relationship oriented method.
0: And that it literally makes me smile. We're just on audio here. And of course, our listeners can't see us, but we are, we are 110% on the exact same page when it comes to the philosophy that drives our lives. At the end of the day, that is what we have, hopefully, are at least a few really good relationships. And if we're not creating businesses that enable us to focus on those relationships, then we're, we're truly missing out. So I, I love that that is your mission. And we're going to exactly. dive into that in much more detail here in just a little bit. But we're going to start off like we always do uh, with what we call on the Boca podcast, the aha. Moment. And very simply, that's just uh, the, maybe the biggest or hardest lesson that you've learned as a business owner thus far.
1: I would definitely say my biggest lesson learned is to make sure that your identity is grounded in something outside of your business. I think oftentimes when our business is something that we love, which is the case for most of the people listening and myself and you, it's something you love it's easy to become so entangled in that and to almost lose yourself in it and to begin to define yourself by your business, which, you know, business goes up and down. And so you can find yourself going up and down based off the ebb and flows of business. So My biggest aha is to was to really focus on who is Monique and who is that person outside of any relationship that can enter or 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 exit my life, including my business. I have a relationship with my business. And so knowing who I am and being firm in that and being willing to work on that has been and continues to be the biggest aha moment for me and my business.
0: It's so true. And I'm literally literally nodding on my end here and getting goosebumps at the same time because, yet again, we're totally on the same page. I was just having a conversation yesterday with a a local photographer here in the Chattanooga area, and he was talking about this very fact. And he was saying his business, unlike many businesses out there, doesn't have a very distinct uh, position and that he only offers one very specific service he offers very many services, but in his mind, his business is a means to an end, and that end has everything to do with providing for his or so much to do with providing for his family and so I, I love the way that this picture that you 're painting, which is that your business isn 't you if you are clear about who you are, your values, your overarching goals for life then your business is just one means to attaining those goals and to reflecting you as an individual. But it isn't you. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. I love this. It's so good.
1: It's a huge distinction. And it's it's the reason why so many people, especially in the early years of business, struggle with fear of rejection and, and, and they feel so disappointed and discouraged and afraid to try things and take risks because it's a, it's a personal blow against them. Versus it being a a blow, almost a buffer towards the business and and looking at the business as an entity and an expression of your purpose, an expression of your passion that can be lived, lived out in many different ways.
0: Oh, this is good. This is good. And, you know, we could probably actually spend a whole podcast episode on just that. Maybe we can do an episode, two at some point. Yeah. But that, that's a really great distinction to make, and I'm, I'm glad that we could start our conversation off with that. I'd love to, to get to know you, though, along with our listeners. I mentioned to, this to you before we, we started uh, the recording. Um, it, we got a chance to chat briefly at United, as, as I mentioned, but tell us a little bit more about you, maybe even something kind of random that most people wouldn't know about you.
1: Sure. So something probably really random about me that most people probably don't know is that (laughs) when I was in the sixth grade, I found a $20 bill in the gym and I turned it in and I found a diamond ring like that same week on my teacher's desk and I turned it in and all of a sudden – the news reporters are coming up to the school to do a whole segment on me on do the right thing. And so I was featured in this segment about do the right thing. And it's funny because it really is who I am. I'm such a do the right thing kind of girl. Like it, it's almost like branded me from. From that, I truly believe in doing what's right, even when no one's looking. I teach my kids the same. Yes. So that's something pretty random about me.
0: Where do you think that comes from, though? Is that the way that your parents raised you, some some other lesson that you learned in life that instilled that value in you?
1: You know, it's funny because even as a young child, we didn't go to church a lot okay. until maybe middle school or so. You know, my parents believed in God and all that, but it wasn't something that was really at the forefront of our conversations and, but I still remember as a kid praying and and wanting to have a relationship with God. So to tell you the truth, I really feel like it's just a a fabric of like my being. It's just who is, who I am. It's it's, it's funny because I see it in my son. He's a lot like me, a lot like me.
0: That's beautiful, and actually, that's a great segue, really, into some conversation about your family. Because I, yeah, I know you're you're crazy about your husband. You you post pictures of of the two of you on on social media, and then your kids. You have two kids. How old are they?
1: Yeah, so um, I, my two ones are seven and four, and I have a husband. We've been married for twelve years. We've been together for sixteen. Wow, years? that's awesome. Fifteen, sixteen, one of those. We met in high school. We met in weightlifting class.
0: <laughs> so, I love it. <laughs> and what does he do? Is he involved uh, in, in the same industry that you are, or what does he do?
1: No, he is so not at all the the creative thinker type person. He tries so hard, and okay. he gets he gets he helps me in, in other ways. But he actually is a um, government employee. He does foreign military sales, and so his his job is so boring to me. Like when he <laughs> <laughs> when he tells, and he knows. I, I mean, this is no secret. He knows, like. I just, when I go to networking events or yeah. when I go to conferences and I come back and tell them about my experience versus his experience, it's night and day. <laughs> so it's, it's very different, but we, we have a lot of fun together.
0: I, know, I can imagine it, just based on his experience and, and his field going for him to go to a conference like we went to at United where everybody's, you know, running up and giving you a hug and, and diving in a deep conversation right away. That would be just a night and day difference in experience.
1: It's so night and day, but it's right up his alley because you know how sometimes they say opposites attract and we're mm. opposite in, in, in a lot of ways, but we're very similar in terms of being both very extroverted people. And so we can, we can both like rock a stage and, and, and have really great conversations with complete strangers. So that we we do really well when we do events together, but we don't get to do it as much with the kids now. Cause usually if I'm somewhere, he might be home with the kids unless we have our nanny and such. But before this business I was a professional makeup artist, and so he traveled with me all the time because wow. we didn't have we didn't have kids at the time.
0: Okay, so uh, you mentioned that that you have been on stage together before, and, and I know that you speak and teach. In fact, I had the opportunity to see you speak when we were united. Um, and and you, I, my goodness, your your energy—you know—one of the biggest things, or one of the biggest elements, of I think anyway, of a good presenter um, is the energy that they carry on stage, and you carry just this. Absolutely amazing energy on stage. It was incredible, um, but so I have to compliment you on that. But thank um, you. <laughs> but when you guys actually speak together, what what kind of things do you present on?
1: So we don't actually speak together. We've okay. done things. We've done things like at church, like church plays, yeah. things like that. So that's where. So that's where I say like, oh, we can. We really can feed off each other's energy. Sure. But I I pretty much handle all the public speaking. Got it. <laughs> but I, you know what makes I think with my energy. I am really there to have fun. I'm there to have fun. I'm there to deliver information in a way that people can understand and can implement it in their lives. That is my mission. And so when I get on stage, if I am not having fun, then it's, it's not going to help the audience engage and connect with me. And so it's just, it's it's a loss. So thankfully, so far, I've got a pretty good track record of getting <laughs> on stage, having fun, you know, I get my energy up. I You know, I just, I really do focus on making sure that the people there know that I came to deliver something for them. All
0: right. Well, and there's no question that that your energy, I mean, it did that for me. It pulled me in and I knew it, it did the same for others there. We, I think there were Maybe between two hundred and fifty and three hundred photographers in attendance at that conference, and um, yeah you, you definitely pulled us in with your energy, so kudos to you for that, but Thank h- you. How do you like to spend time and actually before I get to this question, you mentioned the the differences between you and your husband and i 'm just fascinated by relationships, so i 'm curious what is a conversation? between the two of you, say in the evening, like if you're just relaxing together in the evening, just the two of you, what does a conversation look like there? Because if you're not going to be talking about, you know, work things necessarily, or at least work, work things from his perspective, um, what kind of stuff do you like to talk about?
1: So I definitely do not like talking about his work. But... Uh... <laughs> I will. I will. Because that's important to him. And and it's important. It's like, I don't really enjoy playing my little ponies, but my daughter loves it. So it's like, (laughs) we do it. You know, so we, we talk about, we talk about our faith. We talk about things that we want to grow in. That's, That's like, that's probably an ongoing conversation as far as things that we want to grow in personally. It, we, we talk a lot about our feelings. He'll, he'll ask me, you know, how's my heart? Or if I'm grouchy or, if, you know, he might just stop me and say, OK, what's really going on? Because what's presenting might not really be what the issue is. And so then yes. we can talk about that. So we have a lot of feelings and thoughts and just deeper, deeper issues kind of conversations. And I think a lot of that has to do with my my background in mental health. So that's what my education background is in is in mental health. I was actually going to school to be a therapist. Okay. So we we have a lot of those deep, deep conversations. Then we just have silly conversations where we just like talk about current news or we laugh and dance. That's an ongoing thing. We get music on and we're dancing as a family and we're like doing different moves and he can dance, but I really can't, so he laughs laughs at me. So we just we really do try to have fun.
0: That's really cool, and you know what? I really love the question. How is your heart? Um, A friend of mine asked me this uh, for the first time, I think, a number of years ago, and it's one of those questions that that I don't know about you, but for me, it it almost kind of catches me off guard because I'm not used to having someone engage me on that level, especially out of the blue. You know, most conversations that you have with people, especially just in passing, even those that you might meet at a conference or otherwise. They're very, very surface level. And frankly, I kind of get jaded by those. But when somebody says, how is your heart? It kind of catches you off guard because you're like, oh, wow, like we're going deep right away here. And now I have to stop and think for a second about how I'm actually really doing and then figure out a way to to effectively communicate that to the person that just asked me the question. I think it's a beautiful question.
1: Mm, You know, a good friend of mine, I like to call her My warm chocolate chip cookie friend because she's just, (laughs) she's so soothing and comforting to the soul. And Mm. I'll never forget her asking me that question maybe a year or two ago. And, and it, it did that. It just stopped me. Yes. And it, it made, I think I probably started crying because who knows how I was doing at that time. And she's such a safe person to, to cry and to care for you. Um, and so what it, it does, it really does require or request the person to, be vulnerable with you. And if they don't, that's fine. But it, it does give them an invitation and says, I'm interested in hearing more about what's really going on. And how often do people really sit down and listen to what's really going on?
0: Oh, it's so true. And you know what? I think we should just take this opportunity to encourage people to do just that. And actually, and it's even a kind of a vulnerable question to ask because, again, people aren't used to but uh, proactively engaging in that way, and then and then they also know that most of those conversations that they're having with their friends don't sound like that. So it may be a little bit nerve wracking to do, but whether it's you know you're more comfortable sending it via text or. Um, actually picking up the phone or talking to somebody in person, ask them that question because you'll be amazed at what can come from that question, the kind of beautiful conversation and opportunity to connect with somebody. I think it's, it's really, really great. You mentioned that getting to, you know, for example, dance as a family in your house and I, I can kind of picture that in my head what that might look like. But what are some of the other things that you guys like to do as a family?
1: So we'd like to paint. I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. It runs in my blood and my husband. He, so he's really great at athletics he could he can beat me at any sport he can beat most people in any sports he's very just naturally athletic yeah but i'm very creative and so we're very opposite in that like i can paint i can draw he he's not that great but we do it as a family we get the canvases out we get the paint out we get the music music is important around here he's really good about that get yeah, the music on, we just have fun. And, and so we just, we do things like that. We love to go out and, and eat. We love to go to the movies, you know, take the kids over to one of my good friend's house. And they just, they all love playing together. We really like to do things that don't require a lot of fuss. It's more about the experience. So we're not like the kind of parents that are, have our kids in a ton of different sports and there's nothing against those who, who do that. To sure. me, it's all about making decisions that are best for your family
0: Absolutely. and,
1: and for us the season that we're in, we, we choose to not um, create more chaos to our day, which our day feels very chaotic sometimes. So we, we really love like movie nights on Fridays. We have movie nights and we turn the movie on and the kids sit down. My daughter, she gets the blankets out. She wants to snuggle. You know, it's just a lot of our time. is really about just being together. We Mm -hmm. have dinner together every night for the most part. And we just, we try to spend as much time together, just living life together.
0: I think the simple things that really are wonderful. And what I've found, too, is with my kids, so I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. My son, Austin, is 16. My daughter, Addison, is 12. And one of the things we started doing recently was playing poker. And okay. But whether it's poker or any other game, just the simple notion of sitting at a table together, yep. putting your phones away, and just being together, playing a simple game like that. And the, the cool thing about poker specifically is that it's one of those games that you can play while having a conversation, too. Yeah. Um, and what I've found with uh, with my kids is environments where you're not necessarily looking the person directly in the, the eye um, even creates a little bit more comfort for them to be able to open up, I think. And um, yeah. so in that environment, even when we're sitting at a, at a table playing poker, it just it keeps everything really, really relaxed. And there's opportunity for, in most cases, pretty laid back conversation, but potentially mm-hmm. even going somewhere a little bit more serious. But I, at the end of the day, it's just the simple notion of sitting and being together. And we actually... Um, not very long ago, I bought a, a bowl, this, this wooden bowl that, that sits on our, um, our counter where the phones go. And like dinner time comes around or game time or, you know, family time together comes around and you go stick that phone in there and, and you're not paying attention to that um, during dinner. That's the goal. And it, it's just a very, very simple thing to do, but again, proactive in that we're focusing on each other. And at the end of the day, it is just that simplicity of being together. I think it's a beautiful thing.
1: It is. And we have the no phone zone um, at the table as well. Even at restaurants, no phone zone. Yeah. You know, we sit down and play card games. My, my son loves to play Pokemon with my husband and I'll, <laughs> I'll color with my daughter. We have some coloring books and we sit down. Yeah. Sometimes we do just one on one with the kids. Or we do things as a group. But, yeah, simple things. They love card games. Uno. My daughter wants to always have the number five for some reason and she doesn't get it. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> but, you know, but, yeah, this is simple things.
0: I love it. That's perfect. And and how do you, uh, this is really a segue then into a question I like to ask our guests, which is how do you create that free time? Because I know you're busy and then your husband's in a totally different profession. How do you make that time for each other? Is there a particular workflow tip or technique that you use? How do you go about that?
1: It definitely is two, two things. One, I don't believe in balance. I think balance is a myth. I think it's more about harmony. And if you think about a choir, for example, you know, sometimes the sopranos are singing, sometimes the altos, sometimes they're all together. And so I think that's when it comes like with life. Sometimes you're really focusing on things that are going on in family. So maybe those are the sopranos. Sometimes you're really focusing on something for a limited time in your your business. And so maybe that's the altos that are really shining. And then sometimes you're able to really complement things all together. And that's when everyone's coming together and and there's one voice. But to me, it's more about harmony And then the second thing is we schedule it. So like I said, Fridays are movie night. Sundays, we really try not to have anything on the schedule other than family time. Saturdays are family time. We might get things around the house. During the week, we have like a Bible study with our couples um, that we do. And we try to do some things in the evening with the kids. Maybe it's just sit down and watch a show or it's a game. But we really try to schedule it like it's literally a its an appointment in my calendar that says family night. It says quiet time. Like it's—it's it's literally planned in there. And I don't always stick to it, and that's—that's that's my thing. I have to be better about sticking to it sometimes. But if it's on the calendar and it's scheduled, at least the intention is there, and then it's following through.
0: Yeah, and and that idea of in, in being intentional is so important. This is something I know that you talk about online, um, and, and and really interesting. It has been a very very consistent theme, probably for the last. 10 or so, eight to 10 or so conversations that I've had with guests for the Boca podcast. It is that very simple notion of being intentional or proactive and putting it in the calendar and just doing it. And um, I was having this very conversation with um, some friends yesterday about how much I appreciate those. And it's surprising to me how, even people that I thought were close to me just aren't willing to, to make that simple commitment, put something in the calendar and spend time together. And so I, I'm making more of a proactive effort now to connect with those people who are actually willing to follow through. But mm-hmm. we should at least be doing that with our family. And I love that you're setting that example and kind of st- setting that standard. I also love the the analogy uh, that you use of a choir, and I've never heard, heard it described that way before. But I have, and this is a really good example for me because I, I have a tendency of being kind of all or nothing. And for the longest time, I thought that there should be something like balance, you know, that there is this so-called work-life balance. And yet, as you point out, at, at the end of the day, I'm realizing more and more now that it doesn't have to be one way or the other. There are times where we're going to put a lot more effort and energy into work. The there are times we'll pull, pull back and put more effort and energy into family and friends or some combination of both. And uh, I think that's a good reminder as well. It's really, really good. Now, I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about the Monique Melton brand. Like what what, is behind this? How did it get started? You mentioned um, studying to become a therapist, but it looks like things transitioned a little bit. Tell us, give us the backstory, if you will.
1: I was a makeup artist for about 10 years. I started off makeup in college and I did it for about 10 years before starting my current business. After having my son, I had severe postpartum mood disorder with him. It, it manifests as depression and anxiety for me. It was very crippling. Wow. And um, so I took a little bit of time off from makeup and then I, I came back into it. I created a bridal show from scratch and it was a huge success. Over 500 people came. It was a wow. really great bridal show. It was awesome. So I was still in the wedding industry and, and doing makeup. And then I had my daughter and I went through the postpartum, un- unfortunately, again with her. And I did another bridal show right after that. And after that bridal show, I just really spent some time digging deep within me and going through something like that. For me, it was a huge invitation to do a lot of soul searching and figuring out my purpose and how could I best serve that purpose in a way that would give me great excitement and fulfillment, but also for me, because my faith is so important, would glorify but glorify God. And so what that looked like for me was asking a lot of hard questions and finally coming to a new business idea, which was to support other business owners in doing what they felt called to do and to do that really well and to make great money and not feel like they had to choose between their family or their business. Like there's a way to do both. And that's how it's pretty much evolved over time. So I've, I've called myself different things from brand strategists and um, you know, business coach, relationship coach, but it really all sums up to supporting business owners and building profitable, purposeful businesses while also maintaining healthy relationships. And so what I created over the past three years now is a system that I've given a name to, which is called Sweet Brands, and it's an acronym. And it's basically a five-part process to building a profitable business. And so the S stands for story. That's your brand story. That's where you put together you and then your client. It's like a relationship between two people come together. And as a result, you have this identity, this brand that is serving both people. Um, and then you have your the W, which stands for wealth. So that's where you're talking about how are you growing your business? What are the different stages of growth? How do you plan to earn money? What does that look like in your business? And then we have the first E, which is experience. So that's the client experience. We go through that whole process of developing that, all the different stages of the client experience. And then the second E is exceptional marketing. And so that's where we come in and create the actual marketing plan for the business. And that's how we develop the relationships. And then the T, which is one of my favorites, which actually helps you scale your business is your team. And so we we go through the whole process of developing your team, nurturing your team. So it's a very comprehensive process. And it's best for folks who are really ready to establish a more solid and sustainable business, even expand their current business or go in a different direction because it's very involved. But over the past three years, that's what I've been able to put together and, and help so many of my clients be more profitable, make make a lot more money. Actually, they, they tell me how much and it blows me away. But um, by also doing it in a way that doesn't rob them from what matters most in their lives, it's just the, the people. I so that's kind of that's kind of how it came together. I wrote a book, you know, I wrote Entrepreneur Friendships, which is about building business relationships. I do a lot of public speaking, but it's all still very central to, like I said, it's about relationships, doing that work you're called to do. And and bringing it all together in a way that means something that goes way beyond you and and what you want that can live on and be a legacy. Uh,
0: That's just is wonderful. And that that sweet philosophy. Are you teaching that in the the format of workshops? Or are you doing individual coaching? Combination of both.
1: So it started off as individual coaching, and this year it has now become a workshop that I'm teaching people the framework of it and so it's going to eventually evolve into more things but right now it's the the workshop which I had, had my first one last month and it was a huge success and I'm doing another one in April so it's it's a very it's a it's a proven system so I've done it for the past 3 years with several clients and they've all who have done the work, have seen great results. So it's I'm very confident in the system.
0: Well, and we'll make sure to, of course, let you share where our listeners can find this inform- information about these workshops and the coaching um, at the end of our conversation. And we'll be linking to that as well as to your book on Amazon and the show notes uh, for the Thank podcast. You. Oh, absolutely. Glad to do it. Uh, you mentioned, of course, that the focus not only on business, but then ultimately on, on helping these entrepreneurs create a business that enables them to still dedicate time and energy and effort to their relationships. Where does the passion for relationships, encouraging healthy relationships come from for you?
1: I think it goes back to thinking about me as a young child. And like I said before, that that, that fabric of, you know, in my being. As a kid, I remember always wanting to be liked and being devastated when someone didn't like me. Like It was almost the end of the world for me.
0: Totally get that.
1: My parents couldn't stand it because they, they just they hated seeing me hurt like yeah. that. And they, and they didn't know how to help me navigate that. Like I said, my son's very similar to me. So he's he's similar. And, and thankfully, I have better tools to help him navigate that space without making him feel like he's a terrible person for being <laughs> that way. <laughs> right. and, and my parents they make me feel like that. But you know what I'm saying? Just always feeling the need to connect and to belong to myself, Brene Brown talks about this a lot, like belonging to yourself, but also belonging in a group, how it's intricate balance between the two. And so knowing myself and knowing how isolating building a business can be and knowing and having conversations with so many people, so, so many clients that struggle in their marriages or struggle in their relationships or feel alone, I just, I knew that there had to be a way. To still meet one of our primary needs, based off from psychology, Maslow talks about this in hierarchy of needs. Is to belong, and so we need relationships to belong. For sure. No, knowing that, and but also knowing that we also need to have self actualization and, and to do the work, bigger things outside of ourselves. Knowing that we need both, I I had to create a way that we could do that, um, and that's what that's why I'm so passionate about business and relationships. But I don't, in my opinion. Everything can be bought but relationships. You cannot buy a real meaningful relationship. You can buy a purse. You can buy a business. You can buy almost anything you want. But the things that really matter and that measure up and that mean the most to you, which come through having meaningful relationships, cannot be purchased. And so it, it, it has to be something, a part of your business and your life to make sure that you're, you're fulfilled. relationship's without that you you're going to be empty you're going to be chasing things you're going to be miserable inside you're going to be alone you won't have people to call on because too much emphasis has been on the things that can be purchased versus the things that cannot
0: yeah so very simply relationships just aren't transactional in the sense that you you know you go on Amazon and click buy now and you suddenly got a relationship you have to actually have to make an effort at them you have to put time and energy in and invest Uh, That kind of energy into developing not just a relationship but a good relationship. So then you know, ideally, we have two or three or four or five really close relationships. Those people that we can rely on. That warm chocolate chip cookie that you described earlier. I thought that Mm -hmm. was I I love that that picture um, that it creates. But at the end of the day, these are really really important to us. I've certainly realized the significance of relationships more and more over the last few years. As much as I have a tendency in some cases to be independent, I know that I I find the most fulfillment and joy when I am making a concerted and consistent effort at being connected and not just connected to any anyone or in any way, but to have those really deep relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is so, so important. And I'm I'm curious to get your take on this because I mean these are conversations that you're having, I'm sure, with a wide variety of people. What are some of the most significantly really the harmful behaviors that photographers uh, or maybe just business owners in general are exhibiting when it comes to the personal relationships behaviors that are hurting those personal relationships holding them back from having more fulfilling relationships
1: you know i'm so glad you asked that because you made you made a comment that is a perfect segue into this as far as relationships not being transactional you can't just you know click oh there's a relationship and unfortunately with the advancements in technology and social media that was intended to make us more connected, we've we've become even more disconnected because we have this pseudo connection with people. It's it's almost like a diet that's full of junk food. Yeah, yes. you might feel you might feel full temporarily, but you're not gonna have what your body needs to thrive. And over time, it is going to show up in different ways. And so it's the same with with business owners, photographers and such. So the, one of the, the most crippling things that happens in the industry is that is deteriorating relationships and is inha- and inhibiting people from really enjoying relationships to so the fullest is relying too much on the Internet and screens to connect you versus taking the time to have a conversation, get in front of people, go to networking events. So many people are so intimidated by in-person connection. They, and, and I ache for our younger generation that can't even have eye contact with someone when they're yeah. talking to them. It's it's it really is destroying the connection that we are created to have. We are very social beings. We are created to be in community with one another. We thrive in community. And social media is great, but when it's used as a replacement, it is disastrous. It is it is completely destructive to a healthy relationship. So that's probably one of the number one things that photographers and creatives are, are doing that are destroying the relationships is relying too much on the screens. It's get off the phone, get in person. If you're having an argument with someone, you don't need to do that over a screen. That's something that needs to be addressed in person yeah. or, or over a conversation if it's, you know, I, I like to say that the email is for information, not conversation. So that's, that's a one thing. So the second one we talked a little bit about was, which was my aha moment, which was talking about having, one of the things is not having an identity outside of your brand. I think we can become so busy and so focused on our business and almost so distracted by our business that there's no time for anything other than business. So, so, you know, the, the working out doesn't happen. The, the time with the family, the friend who you've been trying to get up with for the past three months and it's still not happening. And so I think ha- no identity, no personal hobbies or, or things that you enjoy or reading books just for fun or watching TV or something that is outside of the business world, making little time for those things it definitely destroys the relationship that you have with yourself, but it also can destroy the relationship that you have with others because the business can become so all consuming. Um, Another thing is that, which this one is extremely common and it has to be maintained fiercely, which is looking at others as competition. When you do that, when you're comparing yourself to other people, you either will feel confident or prideful, yourself, too prideful in yourself or insecure. It rarely leads to true confidence that only comes from comparing yourself to your potential. So when you are competing with others and you're looking at others as competition, that immediately is going to draw a wedge between you and this person And it does not allow the relationship to go any further than just very surface. And sometimes relationship could be hostile because you're looking at people as competition versus looking at them as inspiration and opportunities to learn. And I would say one other thing. The last thing I would say is that and this is definitely very common for photographers is not learning from others outside of the industry. There are a lot of amazing photographers who are doing incredible things and making amazing advancements in the industry. And I think that it's wonderful to have them to go to. I also think that it's wonderful to look at people outside of the the photography industry and look at how they're doing things to build their business and try to consider those ways. It's much like if you think about a healthy diet, if you only eat meat all day, that's not going to give you a sustaining and healthy physical, mental, all of that. But so the same with photographers If you only consume photographers. That's that's an imbalance um, diet. So you need to have the fruits and the vegetables and the, all those things. And so I would encourage photographers to hear from authors or to hear from speakers or to hear from even people in a completely different industry, maybe even tech or medicine. Like there are so many things that can be gained from having a more diverse Perspective. So those were those. Were, that's what I would say.
0: And these are really great. And I just want to go back through and touch on them just just briefly. You know, you mentioned uh, the the significant issue, which is that the younger generation, in particular, being so used to being on their phones and engaging with others through a screen, that they're that they're uncomfortable engaging in person. And I, I personally saw this with uh, my son, in particular. He and I had conversations about this, and and he is. In um, the last year, in particular, has really been very proactive in, in getting out and connecting with his friends in person. And I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, he's, he certainly stepped beyond that tendency in this younger generation. But sadly, it's not just limited to teenagers. Um, you know, yeah. we're, we're seeing it certainly in our in our industry. It's really sad to me, honestly. As, as many times as I go to conferences in a year, um, and whether I'm speaking or just attending, going to a trade show or otherwise. The amount of screen time that is happening, um, even when you're sitting there at dinner with a small group, and okay. I, I guess there is, we're, we're at a stage now where we're past people even thinking about the fact that that would be rude that you're looking at a screen instead of looking at me and having a conversation Um, but if nothing else it at least takes away from the opportunity to truly connect with somebody on a deeper level the conversations Mm -hmm. will remain surface level if you can't help but constantly look at that screen at the same time and I would Mm -hmm. also encourage people and I did this I had this kind of conversation with my son but I would encourage people to ask questions about why they're uncomfortable going deep in conversation why they're uncomfortable looking at somebody in the eye there's an opportunity there for growth when you're willing to ask honest and sometimes tough questions like that, um, and that will help encourage growth on your part personally so that you can then get out and connect with people on a deeper level. So I think that's a great first point. It is... Sadly, a behavior that is inhibiting deeper relationships, and I think we can certainly grow in that regard. Making uh, little time for things outside of business. You know, something that popped into my head, one, and I won't mention any names, one person in particular that I'm, I'm pretty close to, uh, I can also think of a, a really, uh, almost like a celebrity in our industry that I, that I met in years past. These are a couple of people that come to mind, and I've certainly been guilty of it as well, but maybe made me think of these people who are in their zone, specifically what they do for a so-called profession. Uh, they are amazing you know they come alive and they have all kinds of different things to talk about to teach on they 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 have wonderful advice to share but you go outside that realm and they're almost useless in conversation they they naturally shut down yeah. they don't know how to function outside of a conversation about business and that's certainly yeah. an extreme example uh, but but this is also a good reminder to us too that especially for the sake of relationships and being an interesting conversationalist. You know, what makes it easier to interact with people in person is to be a better conversationalist. You can't be a great conversationalist if you can only speak to one thing. Right. Um, So it's absolutely important to become more diverse in your interests and your knowledge. uh, And if nothing else, at least learn how to ask the other person questions, to draw them out. It's so, so important.
1: Yes. Ask questions. Please.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and to that point, since we're on that, I, I, that's another thing that I've been amazed by is is the number of conversations that I get into with people who I'm, I'm really hoping to connect with, and I know, I'm assuming you've experienced this as well, Monique. But it, there there is just this. I, I don't think they mean any harm by it, but there is just not a proactive effort on their part to ask me about what I'm doing in life or about my business or one of the things that you know, what are the things that I'm struggling with. Yeah. And I've even had a conversation or two in, in recent uh, recent months with people about this very thing. And they said, well, you're, and they said to me, "Um, you're not being very vulnerable. You're not putting yourself out there. And and I said, you know what, I'm actually really willing to do that. I'm I'm glad to share that I'm pretty much an open book. But if you don't actually take the time to ask me a question, I don't know that you're interested in in getting to know me more. Um, so it's really important to ask questions, looking at others is competition. You mentioned the word insecurity there. And, um, this is a, I I mean, first of all, I'll be the first to admit that, that I have my own issues with insecurity, but this is a really big topic of conversation in our photography industry. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's a much deeper topic than we have time to go into in today's conversation, but I would, I would encourage all of our listeners. I know I've mentioned this book before in the podcast, but, um, go on Google and search for a book called "Reawaken the Giant Within. Um, it's a, about 100 pages long. It's an e-book by Tony Robbins. It's free. Mm-hmm. And the, the powerful psychological principles in that book will literally be life-changing if you'll open yourself to them and be willing to apply them to your life. I, it has literally transformed my life in the last five years, the principles in, in his book. And I can't recommend those enough. And part of what he talks about is the psychology and the philosophy that will enable you to be a more, certainly more empowered individual to, to, to be able to address those insecurities. We, we have a lot of insecurities as, as artists, certainly, but just in, as, as humans in general. The question, of course, is what is driving those insecurities? We can't, we can't stop at saying, hey, I'm just an insecure individual. I struggle with, with this insecurity. Ask the question why, and I think you'll find a lot of the answers in that book and, and in others as well. And then mm-hmm. the last thing that you mentioned, not learning from others outside of photography, and this goes to point number two a little bit, uh, but it really is truly important to to spread ourselves um, or open ourselves rather mentally uh, to something besides just you know scrolling through an Instagram feed um, full of photographers or going to YouTube videos and only looking at photography videos or only reading books geared toward photographers. One of the things that I, that I've said multiple times before, and probably even on the book of podcasts, is I know of multiple photographers, friends of mine who spent, you know, at least a hundred thousand dollars or more on their education at a, at a really fancy photography school. They walked away knowing how to take a decent picture, but they didn't really know the first thing about business. And yeah. I think that is a, is a very accurate representation of a lot of photographers in our industry. Um, they, they focus on the one thing, but at the end of the day, we're still a business. We need to know how to run a business. And there are, there's a lot that goes into that. So it's so important that we make sure that our education goes way beyond just simply photography. There is so much to learn as, as business owners as well as individuals. So that's a good reminder yeah. as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: This has really, really been good, Monique, and and I I can't thank you enough for making time to share with our our podcast listeners. And and I would venture that we probably have at least two or three more podcasts just innate to our conversation today that we could potentially dive into. But I, at, what I want to to do for sure today is make sure that I send our listeners uh, to the resources that you offer online and the workshops and the potential for coaching. Your your wisdom is very obvious just in our brief conversation here, and I'd love for our listeners to be able to tap into that even more. So where can they find you online, social media, your website, et cetera?
1: Yeah, sure. It's really simple. Everything you can find is, is mo Motivate, M-O-E, Motivate on Instagram. I'm on there. Doing stories, doing all kinds of random things. And then there's also my website, which is my name, moniquemelton.com. Everything is there, the workshops, the resources. You can find out about the book, all those great things um, in those places.
0: Perfect. And then, and then, yeah, we'll certainly just, we'll go ahead and post a direct link to the book to, uh, to Amazon and our show notes as well so that our listeners can go get that. And um, But this has been really, really good. Thank you. Thank you again for making time for all of us.
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.